Welcome to the Constructing Greatness Podcast, where I will be sharing real stories with inspiring tradesmen and many other driven and passionate leaders in construction and various other industries. I'm your host, Nicholas Ofak, and I've been in the construction business since 1996 as a construction manager and have worked for some of the largest builders in the United States. I'm now a business owner entrepreneur, and partner in a firm where we've successfully managed to be listed on the Inc. 5000, America's fastest growing private companies three years in a row. The main purpose of this podcast is to inspire and create awareness about the value of working in the trades and to educate about the great benefits and rewarding opportunities it can create. Are you ready to take this fun journey with me? Let's do it. Did you know that you should never use paints or coatings on brick, block, stone, or mortar? It's because it needs to breathe. Instead, you can stain it to any color that you'd like, and yes, even the mortar too. Staining is 100% maintenance-free and permanent, unlike coatings. So why don't more people know about it? We wondered the same thing. M&N Masonry Staining is a South Jersey contractor that has partnered with the oldest brick staining manufacturer in the United States and is certified to use their proprietary products and over 45 years of staining knowledge. M&N is scheduling residential and commercial building estimates now. For more information, call Nick at 856-217-1750 or follow M&N Masonry Staining on any social media platform. Today's guest is the president of a third-generation family business, which is the largest commercial fire protection provider in the metro Philadelphia area. They have served customers even as far as north of Albany, New York, and as south as Tampa, Florida. And I'm really excited to have this gentleman on, David Oliver. Welcome to the show, man. Nick, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really glad you agreed to join me and, and just to tell the story of uh, your journey in the construction world and, and obviously your, the family's business. But before we get into that, let's go back to the beginning. When you were a kid, did you always know you wanted to get into construction or engineering? I would say no. Great question. I grew up around the business, you know, knowing construction and knowing fire protection but I say it was never a predetermined conclusion. You know, I, as a kid, what I really enjoyed, you know, is um, I, kind of an entrepreneurial spirit. I loved when it snowed because the shovel came out and it was time to shovel driveways down the neighborhood. Or, you know, when the grass started growing, you know, it was time to, to mow lawns. So I, I really always enjoyed the entrepreneurial opportunities, you know, as a kid. And, uh, you know, I, I would say it never became, and when you kind of go to the beginning, it really never came into focus I'd say until, you know, I was out of high school, you know, working through college and starting to think about what a career path was, you know, the the first introduction to the business that I can remember as a kid was, you know, after one Christmas, I wanted to earn a couple bucks. I think I was in third or fourth grade and and came into the shop. So I had exposure to the business, but I wouldn't say it was a conclusive direction that, you know, I was going to end up in construction or even in the family business for that matter. So you, you took up engineering at Dartmouth College. What engineering focus was it? It's an interesting path as well. So, I mean, Dartmouth is a liberal arts school. So what they do for an undergraduate capacity is you do engineering sciences. So you do a little bit 
of all the different engineering disciplines and you come out with a you know, four-year degree in Bachelor of Arts in Engineering Sciences. And then you, if necessary, if you have desire, you could pursue an additional year to get your Bachelor of Sciences. So you end up doing engineering sciences, I'd say probably mostly focused on the mechanical aspect of it, but got a you know, well-rounded engineering degree to learn that you know, my passion was still being an entrepreneur and I think more of the business side than the engineering. Yep, and that's when you started. You graduated and you, and you started at Oliver in 1997. Yep, so graduated in, uh, in June of 97 and started, i say, full-time in September of 97 in the business. And you know, prior to starting business, I'd spent some time, spent a summer out in the field installing pipe and spent some previous time in our design and engineering department as, as I was working through school or our, our fabrication. So had the fortunate opportunity to start in 97 with my uncle, my father, and another uncle. There was the three brothers uh, in the business, and, and they were very kind to give me a couple of years where they shared really all aspects of the business. So I spent a couple months or up to a year in different facets of the business, kind of learning all aspects because, you know, a little bit about our organization, we're an installation contractor and we're also a service business. So there's many different aspects of our business that. While we're doing life safety and fire protection, there are really several businesses within the business and how they behave and how they're structured. Yeah. So then you went into getting your MBA at Villanova University. At what point was the grooming period that you knew that you were going to be taking over the company as a president? It's still happening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, st- I'm still learning. I'm still yeah. being groomed. I'm not sure for what at this point. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it, you know, two questions in one, you know, and I think that's really the fascinating thing about the construction industry and maybe in, in particular life safety business and, and fire protection is I learn every day. I mean, it, you, I think, you know, one of the essences of our industry is you, you need to be a perpetual learner and you need to be energized by learning something new every day. So, so I think the grooming started the day I walked in the door. Um, to your specific question, I knew that when I joined the business in 1997, they, I should say they, and one, the oldest brother, Bill, um, who had been running the business for 30 years, shared that he was intending to retire in 2000. So they were, the business did not know that, our team didn't know that, but I was aware of that. So, you know, I knew that there was going to be leadership opportunities fairly on in my career. So, so I had the mindset that, you know, how did I learn? How could I learn as much as I possibly could, as fast as I possibly could, knowing that, you know, my father and my other uncle, Bob, were going to need some help, you know, from a leadership capacity. And that's really, as you, as you mentioned, you know, going back and getting the MBA, you know, that was my, um, desire just to expedite how much could I learn? How could I learn it? Where could I learn it? And uh, so I did night school, you know, at, at uh, Villanova and I, I, it was fantastic. You know, in that two or three year period, I was able to take business classes and then go see how a real business runs. So you, you get to see the theory and then you get to see the practice and, and oftentimes they align and oftentimes they don't align. And it, it was really also, I think, really neat for me to bring really practical experience into the classroom as well. So it was really, I'd say, I don't know which was the quicker or faster education, spending time in the business or spending time in the classroom. But, you know, I'd probably say it waits towards, you know, the school of hard knocks. There's no teacher like that. No teacher like that. Indeed, I, I would agree with you. What do you think the percentages of the applied theory was used in, in reality? I'm just <laughs> curious. <of> school? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what are the percentages? 
Oh, for all the kids listen, it's 98%. <laughs> you remember what this podcast is about, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for all the kids listen, 98% of what you learn in school, you apply something like, I think you learn how to learn. You know, and I think that's very applicable in school. You, you learn how to work with people. You learn, you know, what school's about is, hey, there's a book, learn how to read it and then learn how to analyze it and apply it to something. So part of what I'd say is, look, every day I apply the skills that I learned from engineering, which was a thoughtful, logical process of how to solution, create solutions when you have challenges that may not have an answer. You know, I mean, it's very easy when we end up on construction projects and there's a linear answer like, hey, one equals one. But I think really in construction, what we all do, there is no answer. You know, there's no perfect sequence. There's no perfect job. And uh, you got to think your way through it and determine many different options. So, so I would say I use, you know, back to your question, I use a hundred percent of what I learned in school, which is the, you know, the, the desire and ability to learn, you know, how much of the actual, you know, knowledge and, and engineering mm-hmm. formulas and math, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. For the kids listening, it's still seventy-five <laughs> percent, but maybe a little, but maybe a little less than that. No, but well said. You're always learning. You're always learning. If that's what you're intending to do, and and, and that's your desire, yeah, you can you can continue to be a life learner for sure. So we met right around, I think, when you started around ninety-seven, ninety-eight. We were playing softball, and that's where we really got to know each other. When I was with Elfdrive School, and I think we. Ended up playing softball again when I was with Hunter Roberts, but we had some good times. And I just want everyone that listens to this know that you can hit a long ball. <laughs> I used to be able to hit a long ball. <laughs> you absolutely could. Well, I still can. We're the same age. Yeah, yeah. When you hit a long ball, I'll, I'll try and hang out with you on that one. <laughs> yeah, I haven't swung the bat as much recently. COVID has put a damper on kind of softball. Did that translate into uh, golf at all? Can you hit a long ball in golf? I can hit a long ball. I just don't know which direction it's yeah, going to go. Yeah, I can share that. <laughs> <laughs> it was easier to control a softball with a baseball bat than I've ever found it to control a uh, oh, golf ball. Oh, my God. Good. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in 2005 is really when you became the president, correct? Yes, correct. Yep. And then I guess it was six years later is when you guys started a branch office in Newark, New Jersey. And around what time frame did the expansion of life safety happen? So our legacy business, you know, going back to 1957 is, you know, what we call now kind of mechanical business was the sprinkler business. So that really, we did that and continue to do it. You know, now we're celebrating and very thankful we're in our 65th year. In 2003 is when we got into, I'll call it the electrical side of the business, which is, you know, the fire alarm and security aspect. So we're really pleased that, you know, we're really we're up, we're coming up on two decades. We're celebrating 20 years being in the fire alarm and security business. And that was started by my brother-in-law, who was a partner in the business. He joined us in 2002, came from the building automation side of the business and, uh, and got us into the fire alarm business, which is very correlative to the sprinkler business and yet very different in its own right. The mechanical side is pipe and water, you know, the fire alarm security side you know, is wire and electricity and, and really very different and yet very much the same. So, you know, our objective as an organization you know, from the service aspect is really be able to bring and be a life safety partner, you know, in the facilities and, and the owners that we deal with and be able to bring both of those together. Oftentimes, and in most times on new construction projects, the disciplines are really fairly separate in how they're contracted, who we work for on the mechanical side of the business. You know, we're often 
direct contractor to the GC. The fire alarm security often runs through the electrical contractor. And, you know, we partner with a lot of the electrical contractors uh, providing the material and kind of the program uh, end of it. Do you ever get package deals from a GC for all your disciplines that you service? So I'd say very infrequently. So I think that's a, a misperception you know, of those who are kind of looking at the life safety business and augment their business. And they could be in fire alarm going into sprinkler, sprinkler fire alarm. Like, oh, wow, we'll go in, we'll put everything together as a package and we'll be the sole provider. And, you know, we have not found that to be the reality when we're doing new construction projects. Um, on the service side, yes, definitely. You know, where we do see it, I would say very frequently is a lot of the industrial and special hazards work we do. So we do a lot of power and infrastructure work. And when we're doing specialty systems or transformers and uh, things of that nature, very frequently that will be packaged together because the systems are really integrated. You know, the, the fire alarm is really the detection for the mechanical or the suppression that's on the project. So that it is combined. We've, we've found great benefit in having a team that can do both. But on the normal jobs, if you're building an apartment building or a high rise or an office building, they're really very separate trades. Yeah, no, I, I, I can understand that. Now, I love the sign behind you, you know, they're just, just the words, dedication, family, tenacity, character, diligence. No, I love it. Which leads me to my next question. Talk about the importance of culture in your business. Culture is king. Culture is everything over process. You know, it's everything almost over opportunity. You know, I think you can be in a, in a great market space and, you know, sometimes all ships, you know, rise with the tide. But from our perspective or from my perspective, and I think our, everyone on our team would agree with this, you know, construction is a, a team sport, you know, and I think I find a lot of folks in the construction industry probably came from, from some sport background because I think we gravitate towards the desire to be with people and accomplish something together. And when you do that, culture wins on everything. So you know, we've spent a lot of time, we talk about it, you know, and I would say when I first started in the business, culture was a word we didn't know. And, uh, and as we integrated, we actually, you know, at one point in time had a culture committee, you know, and it's sole and specific reason was to understand what our culture was. And there was aspects of it that we wanted to change. And, uh, and they very actively, you know, communicated that and thoughtfully went through a process saying, hey, what is our culture, where we want to be? And, and we still, to this day, very frequently talk about, you know, what is our culture and, you know, what are the things that are holding us back from advancing the business forward? What do we need to leave behind and what do we never want to leave behind? What do we have to pull through for, you know, as we grow the business and expand in other businesses? And it's hard. It's a hard conversation when you have a 65-year-old culture to say, what should we be leaving behind? What's prohibiting us within our culture from us advancing the business. And that's a more difficult conversation than asking folks, what do we do really well and what do we want to continue to perpetuate within our culture? So it is so important to us. It's all of our values, you know, all of our customer-oriented mission is all driven around culture. And, and I think it's people, you know, we're, we're in the people business, you know, and we're a team of people, you know, and I share with folks, you know, we're fortunate and thankful that we happen to be in life safety uh, you know, but I'd take this team anywhere. You know, we we would do anything, you know, and it, would, it could look differently. The business might be in a different category, but we're really a team of folks, you know, that we sell work, we execute work, 
and we try and keep folks, you know, keep some customers and some folks happy, you know, with what we're doing. Yeah. You're so, so service oriented ever since I knew your company since 96. I mean, uh, yeah, totally. But, but making changes, you know, when you have a third generation, like you said, change is difficult for most, most people and certainly businesses. Change can be very difficult. And, you know, and I think that was part of, I call our culture committee from 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, I think some, some great leadership from my uncle and my father is we started to talk about change. And, you know, how you make people comfortable with change, you let them know that change is forthcoming, you know, and you communicate it, you over communicate it. And, you know, we had some books that we shared with the team and, and just very simple, the simple concept about around you is going to change and you have to be okay with it because it's progress. And I think it's, you know, at some level, if you don't change, you are at risk, you know, and if, if you get a culture that is not going to change, you know, your competition is going to run by you because they are going to evolve and they're going to move forward. So I think one thing we, we try and do is invite change into our culture. And part of that is trying things. And, and we're not always successful at what we try, you know, but we try and encourage folks, hey, try something new. And if it works, it could evolve our business. If it doesn't work, you know, hey, we try it. You know, and let's, yeah. let's try something different. So try, try again, right? Try, try again, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And you touched on some things that you're working on, but, you know, that which is leading me to this next question is where do you think you're headed? Like, what do you want to do? Any new services? What other changes? So we'd like to redo the last 65 years over again and be, we'd like to be 130 years old and look back and say, and be as thankful as we are now. Now, I think on, on a more tactical level, our next things on the horizon for us, we're looking at geographical expansion. As you noted earlier, and appreciate that, in, in 2011, you know, we put an office up in, I'll call it, you know, the North Jersey market. We find construction to be a very, very localized community. So you can be in Philadelphia, and that, that is one community. And Philadelphia is not Delaware, and it's certainly not North Jersey, and it's not New York. And to be a service provider, you really need to be in and a part of the community. And, uh, not only doing work, but you need to be a part of the associations and give back to the community and really be a participant. So, so on our horizon, you know, we're starting to talk about, we planted a seed 11 years ago in, in North Jersey and kind of saying, you know, where do we plant the next seed um, from a geographical aspect? And, and I think the other thing that our team is focusing on is how do we continually deliver a better customer experience, you know, and uh, we are just, we're about to launch into, you know, integrating and utilizing a new service platform. So it's, it's an aspect that we're really asking ourselves, how do we apply a technology and bring technology into our business to create a better experience for our team? And that makes them more efficient in what they're doing and also really a better customer experience. And that's really going to be important for us. And I think we recognize that, you know, brick buildings are built with bricks, you know, pipes always going to be screwed together. For the meantime, for the foreseeable future, electric's going to run through wires. But how do we leverage technology in our industry to be more efficient and deliver a better product? And uh, so that's one of our goals is, is how to integrate those two. And, and that is a lot of change. You know, that, that really reverts back to what you're saying is it's a change of process. It's a change of mindset. It's a change of how you deliver things to a customer and, and understanding what the customers want as well. And, and it's the companies that don't change, don't pivot to the way, you know, technology growth is and, and how the world is changing. They're the ones that go to business. So you constantly got to evolve, if you will, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I, you know, our thing as well is how do you, how do we consistently and constantly 
bring young folks, you know, into our business. We think a lot about that, you know, being in the, you know, as I said earlier, being in the people business, you know, we're all about people. And then how do we bring people into the business and how do we grow them and teach them? And, uh, and we find they're the ones that bring the, the bright, fresh, new ideas. And then we've got to be open. You know, we were those people one day, you know, 25 years ago when you and I met, we were those, those young folks bringing the crazy ideas at the table. And now we need to constantly remind ourselves to be open and to listen and be thoughtful about, you know, the feedback that we're getting. So it's a, it's a big focus of ours. I'd say that's the, the other focus is how do we grow people? You know, how do we attract people? to the in general construction industry, you know, the life saving industry and, and you know, specifically to our organization. Good stuff. And speaking of those young people and, and people in general that work for your company on the service tradesman side, you know what this podcast is mainly about. It's about promoting the trades, promoting construction and even entrepreneurship. Talk a little bit about the union tradesmen, the package for people that don't know, you know, how well these tradesmen, how fulfilling their jobs are. And well, I mean, they might not all agree, but I know many of the tradesmen that I work with uh, typically are very fulfilled with what they do. They love what they do and just how well they're paid. You know, Nick, I think it's a hidden secret. And, you know, and and when I say hidden secret, I I think it's something as a community or as a society that we're not communicating enough and we don't do it well about what it is and the potential and opportunity to be a tradesman. It is an unbelievable opportunity. I think it's an incredibly respectful career, you know, to come out of high school. If you don't like sitting in an office or you don't like pushing paperwork or you don't like sending emails and you really love working with your hands. And at the end of the day, feeling like you got something done and got something accomplished that at the end of a couple of weeks or a couple of months or a couple of years, you can look behind and see, you know, what I would say is some incredible facilities that we in the Philadelphia and greater mid-Atlantic area, you know, build and leave behind. I mean, it's amazing. And I think extraordinarily fulfilling and very challenging as well is what I just, you know, it's not, you know, I, I look at our trade, the fire protection, it's very technical, you know, and, and challenging, not only from a physical perspective, but also from a thought provoking perspective about how technology is uh, evolving. And I think it's amazing. And, you know, our team is very well compensated, you know, for their skills. We're in a very specific, you know, niche industry with benefits paid for, pensions, you know, that allow individuals to retire. You know, I had a very fortunate opportunity to, to spend an evening with one of our technicians who had been with us for about 25 or 30 years, and he just retired. And uh, we had this very exact conversation just about how thankful he was for the industry. And now he's yeah. retiring and retiring very comfortably. You know, he's able to do the things while he has the capacity, you know, the the physical and mental health to be able to do them. And it's a wonderful hidden secret that, you know, as as you read in in the papers today that construction is underserved, you know, there's a lot of demand. It's, I think we're not communicating as much as we should be. Yeah. And and that just goes back from just the government and, you know, even our parents, grandparents pushing college, college, college is, is the only path when we certainly know that was our path, but you know we certainly know firsthand by seeing these these incredible craftsmen do their job very well and get get compensated very well as well, you know. And it's uh, it's it is kind of hidden, and, and it needs to be promoted more. And I think the economics behind it, you know, the reality when I, I look at young individuals go to school, you'll go to four years, you get your undergraduate degree, you'll come out, 
probably had some student loans, you had some debt, you know, it could take you 10, 15 years to pay off your student loans, student debt. Even more. Or even more, you know, depending on how much school you went to or where you went. And, uh, you know, you go into the trades and you, you start debt free, you know, and, you know, there, we've done some projections that those two paths and those careers may never cross, that the economics, you know, working in the trades is often better than the perception of, of going to school. So it's, it's, I think the economics and the opportunity or the ability for someone who enjoys building things, it's amazing. It really is. And if I didn't take my, the path that I took, at, you know, as a engineer construction manager, I certainly would have been in the trades because I was building things at a young, young age. And I, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you feel accomplished. You know, at the end of the day, something's done. Absolutely. Hey guys, it's Nick. I have a short message from our sponsor, MPC Builders. With well over 40 years of combined construction-related experience in both the residential and commercial markets, MPC Builders services the New Jersey and Philadelphia metro areas. Check out our website at mpcbuilders.net or you can call me directly at 856-217-1750 And I'd be happy to answer any questions you have about your construction project. So outside of work, what are you passionate about? Hobbies? Yeah. So I'd say my kids, family, you know, right, right now, you know, I've got a a 14 year old going into his freshman year of high school and my son and and a daughter who's 12 going into eighth grade. So, you know, for me, it's, you know, my passions are, you know, business and, and moving that forward and, and really the family and, and being available uh, for them, you know, as they're working through their teenage years and all the activities that brings. And, you know, I'd say beyond that, you know, you know, personally, my passion, you know, I, I love working out. You know, I, I think it's a, a good balance to get some physical activity every day is, is work through a, a handful of paperwork and, and stressful situations. So, you know, I, lo- I love to be active. Um, I love being in the mountains and uh, during the summer and during the winter, you know, I love to ski because it's skiing is kind of my golf. You know, if I'm, I'm at the top of a mountain and it's snowing out, you know, you can't think about anything, but figuring out how to get to the bottom, you know, so it kind of just allows that time and space. And I think that's, what's so important, Nick, is to find passions outside of work that give you that time and space. And, and I actually often find that I have my best, that's my best thinking time, you know, or the, the, it's kind of like meditation. You know, I had someone tell me once that I should meditate. I'm like, I, I'm not sure I'm ever going to learn that skill. <laughs> but I think of meditation is like physical meditation. If I'm doing something physical, I can start thinking about, you know, reflecting on the day or, or looking forward. Yeah. Meditation to me is just being so present, you know, just, just not letting your mind go everywhere. And, and you can do, you can meditate many different ways. You know, I believe but didn't you get injured in a, in a ski accident a few years ago or something? What happened? It just hit me when you're telling me about skiing. Yeah, I tore my ACL three years ago. I had uh, too much fun. On the, I think it was on the 13th or 14th day of skiing. And uh, I have no one to blame but myself. You know, I was having too much fun. So, But it, it uh, very fortunate, you know, had very successful surgery and uh, refocused me on working out again and, and getting back in shape and uh, – got right back after it. So that doesn't keep me away from it, but uh, made me, reminded me that we're all mere mortals. Yes. And we're getting older. (laughs) We're not getting any younger. Take care of your body, you know, and 
Yeah. Would you say you're 100% from the uh, injury? Yeah. You, you good? Good. Yeah, I'd say I'm 100%, you know, 100% of the 95%, you know, of me. <laughs> good stuff. Now, if, if there was someone that wanted to get into construction, a young lady, you know, a young gentleman, and didn't know how, what would your advice be to them? That's a great question. You know, how to get into this, you know, I would say go get a job in the industry, <laughs> you know, start somewhere. You know, I think the best advice is do something. And that probably sounds harder when you're young and you don't know what that is. You know, I'd say network to some people in the industry, go get a summer job doing construction. You know, there's always folks looking for hand work in someone's shop. You know, a lot of the construction trades have shops that supply the material or fabricate things, you know, network yourself to get that and just start learning. And I would say, do it. And then you'll find a path because part of working in the trades is you have to find out what trade you like doing, you know, and, and trades can be very different, you know, and I share within our business, the mechanical aspects, sprinkler of the business is very different than the electronics aspect of our business, you know, both in the trades. So you start to learn what you do, what, you know, whether you enjoy working inside or outside, you know, there's many trades that all they do is work indoors on the finishing, you know, of facilities and there's trades that never work indoors. You know, they work outdoors 365 days a year and you have to be comfortable and, and enjoy that. So I would say, Nick, it's just start, you know, start somewhere and then you start to learn what you like, you know, as you progress through that, you know, the union trades are, are always an option, you know, certainly in our, our area. So you can kind of explore that. There's apprentice programs, you know, most of them are five years long, so you can apply to the programs. Most of them, you take a test and you have an interview and then you, you know, they'll spend five years, you know, going to class, you know, and, and going to school, you know, as an apprentice and learning the trade. So, so there's many paths, I think, to build the skill set. You don't feel like, you shouldn't have to feel like you know how to do it in order to enter. You know, you shouldn't have to feel like, hey, you know, I built a house and now I can go apply for a carpentry job. No. Just want to have you just need to have the passion and desire, and the, the, the trades in the industry will teach you the skills you need. Yep, the desire to want to learn. I mean, I truly believe that anyone can learn anything, they just need to, you know, have the desire and, and put the time in to learn, you know. And, and uh, yeah, and but what you said there, key is to find really which one you like, which one you, you know you're most comfortable with, and 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 just spark something in you that you know you, you enjoy it. Absolutely. And that, Nick, that's what we look for in folks. We don't expect them to know our industry. You know, we've found, you know, our best teammates came to our, to our company knowing nothing about fire protection. And uh, we'll teach you everything you need to know. You just have to be passionate. You have to have a great attitude. You got to want to learn and you got to come to, you got to come and want to work every day and contribute to the team. You know, and I, you know, I share with folks that, you know, the construction business is a hard work business. You know, we get up every day and uh, go to work. You know, and uh, and people enjoy that because I think you feel like you accomplish something every day. So, but you shouldn't feel like you have to know the industry or know a specific trade to get into it. Yeah, you said my word, attitude. Attitude is everything in my book. It's really a mindset. You know, is what I what I believe. And and if you have a good attitude and, and a desire to learn, you could. I, I want them on my team. Hundred percent, hundred percent. If you're a good communicator, have a great attitude. You know, there's a lot you can accomplish, you know, I think in the construction business. Excellent, man. Well, if anyone wants to contact you or Oliver, we want to give social media, website address information. 
Absolutely. Feel free to reach out to me directly. You know, our website is www.oliverfps.com. You know, my email address is dsoliver at oliverfps.com. Feel free to email me. You know, love to talk to, to anybody who has interest in the industry, uh, whether it be construction or the life safety business. You know, we're, we're passionate about what we do. You know, we love connecting with people and, and helping folks, you know, out in any way that we can. Dave, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for uh, joining me today and sharing your journey. Thanks, Nick. You know, really appreciate all your time. And, and I think it's awesome that you're doing this. You know, I think connecting with people and hearing the stories, you know, I've enjoyed your podcasts and listening to other folks. And you know, We're all on the same journey, you know, and, and it's, it's, uh, there's challenges along the way that everyone's experiencing. And there's, there's a lot of triumphs as well you know, that we get to celebrate. So thank you. Really appreciate it. I'm honored to be a part of your podcast. Thank you. And I appreciate you, man. And hope to be talking to you soon. Thanks, Nick. Take care. See ya. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Constructing Greatness podcast. If you enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at nicholasofac at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.